Taiwan reported three local cases on Monday, all of them in New Taipei. Two of the cases have an unknown source of infection. Also on Monday, the CCC launched a community COVID screening program that is supported by 82 local clinics. Let's hear from Health Minister Chen Shizong. This enhanced community screening is one program in our enhanced COVID monitoring plan. There are five programs. They involve testing samples from blood donations, expanding screening stations, inspecting frozen food imports, adding more wastewater inspection stations, and so on. Enhancing community screening is one of them. In total, 82 clinics around the country have been designated as COVID monitoring sites. So at these clinics, if the physician deems it necessary, they'll hand you a rapid home test. Once you get it, you should follow the instructions and get tested as fast as you can. Then you go online, enter the name of the clinic that provided you with the test and report the results along with other information. If the result is positive, then you have to go to a local hospital for a PCR test. So far, 43% of Taiwan's population has received at least one dose of a COVID vaccine. Last week, about 87% of people turned up for their Medigen appointments. The CCC said that this turnout is relatively low. According to the CCC, the cause may have been reports of adverse reactions to Medigen and reports that the Pfizer vaccine will soon reach Taiwan. Tech tycoon Terry Goh said he has promised that 8 to 9 million Pfizer vaccines will reach Taiwan by the end of this year. Posting to social media late Sunday, Goh said the first batch may arrive in early September. He expects deliveries to keep coming all the way to November at the rate of 800,000 doses every week. Goh also said he asked BioNTech to reserve another 30 million doses for Taiwan in the coming year. According to Goh, BioNTech was very receptive to the request. Hai founder Terry Goh, who is currently self-isolating in a hotel, published a post on social media about future Pfizer shipments. In the post, Goh said that 1.95 million Pfizer vaccines may reach Taiwan in two deliveries in early September. More Pfizer is expected to come in, starting around the mid-autumn festival. He said he hoped at least 700 to 800,000 vaccines would be delivered every week through to November. He also said that Pfizer had pledged to ship 8 to 9 million vaccines by the end of the year. Go said he asked BioNTech, one of the vaccine's developers, to set aside another 30 million vaccines for Taiwan for 2022. BioNTech responded well to the request, he said. Premier Su Jinchang weighed in. Every country has been rushing to acquire vaccines, and the CECC has already placed orders for Moderna's next-generation vaccines. We've made preparations already. Again, we'd like to thank TSMC, the Yongling Foundation, and the Tsuji Foundation for their contributions over this time, and for the donations. We'd also like to thank Chairman Go for his friendly reminder. We should have enough to administer third shots. We do hope to have more vaccines from different brands to spread the risk. The CECC said it also has a line of communication with BioNTech. It said that future vaccine purchases would depend on changes in the pandemic and Taiwan's needs. In any case, Taiwan will buy more vaccines than needed, it said.
CECC spokesman Zhuang Renxiang said Taiwan had already ordered 20 million Moderna vaccines for 2022. He said that AstraZeneca had also approached the government to inquire about any possible future orders. Zhuang said no agreements had been made so far and that no specifics on quantities could be disclosed at present. Colleges and vocational schools are getting ready for the start of the new semester in September. Some universities have plans to maintain online learning for some or all students to reduce the number of people on campus. The Ministry of Education says it will release detailed guidelines in the coming weeks to help schools plan a safe reopening. With full semester right around the corner, universities are getting their COVID measures in place. The Ministry of Education is drafting its reopening guidelines for higher education institutions. It may include PCR or rapid COVID tests in the health screenings of new students. The tests would not be compulsory and would not affect the student's eligibility to enroll. Questions remain on how often these tests should be conducted and on who would pay for the tests. PCR tests and rapid screening are only effective in the short term. They are a recurring expense, and the cost of that would be considerable. I would hope the ministry offers subsidies for that. The ministry says it will have concrete rules for classrooms and teaching, eating and drinking, as well as student accommodation. It plans to announce the rules two weeks before the start of the college semester, which falls around late September. Reports say in-person classes will be capped at 80 people. Usually in universities, you can sit wherever you please during class, but the ministry's guidelines may require classes to have a fixed group of students with assigned seating. I'm okay with that during a pandemic. You can tell who is in class and who isn't. It's better for epidemic prevention. If anything happens, the school can investigate the issue more quickly. They can see who sits at which spot. It affords more peace of mind. Students may also need to complete real name registration to go to class. Ahead of the release of the government rules, some colleges have already planned changes of their own. National Taichung University of Science and Technology, Asia University and National Chenggong University plan to offer online classes only until early October. Fengjia University plans to start in-person classes on September 13th, but large classes will be split into two groups, which alternate between physical and online attendance every week. China University of Technology is planning face-to-face -face classes for new students, with all other students attending online. The schools say they will finalize their plans once the ministry releases its guidelines. In August, we asked universities to plan out their disease prevention measures and take stock of their resources as soon as possible. The Ministry of Education will work with the CECC to manage vaccine stocks appropriately. Vaccine coverage among students is low and the risk of contagion inside dorm rooms is high. China University of Technology says it plans to screen all campus dorm residents every week. Preparations are underway to get the semester started safely next month. Representative to the U.S. Xiaobi Kim threw the ceremonial first pitch at Mets Taiwan Day in New York last Sunday. Xiao is the first Taiwan ambassador invited to the honors at the annual event. President Tsai Ing-wen also made an appearance at the City Field Stadium. In a pre-recorded speech, she thanked the U.S. for donating COVID vaccines to Taiwan in her country's time of need. Hi, Peking. Hi, President. Are you ready to throw out the first pitch of the day? Yes, I'm ready. Okay, let's go. Go, go Mets. Go, go Taiwan. Taiwan. 
President Tsai Ing-wen meets her U.S. ambassador across time and space. She made her virtual appearance at City Field last Sunday on the occasion of the annual Mets Taiwan Day. Her envoy was invited to toss the opening pitch. Ms. Taiwan's representatives in the United States, Ms. B. Kim representative Xiao Bei Kim was introduced to fans as the Taiwan office representative. The catcher was fellow Taiwanese Wayne Wang, the head of Mets Asian Development and Services. Xiao is the first Taiwan envoy to the U.S. who was invited to kick off Taiwan Day. In a press release promoting the event, Xiao was referred to as Taiwan's ambassador. Under this bright international spotlight, President Tsai delivered a pre-recorded speech introducing Taiwan. This time, I want to highlight our Taiwanese athletes whose inspiring performances at Tokyo Olympics made our country proud and show the world what Taiwan is about. President Tsai shared the accomplishments of Taiwan's outstanding athletes. She also thanked the U.S. for donating vaccines to Taiwan. I also want to take this opportunity to thank the U.S. for helping Taiwan in these challenging times. Your donation of COVID-19 vaccines has gone a long way towards protecting our country and people. Thank you as well to our representative to the U.S., Beacon Xiao, and our team of diplomats in the U.S. for all your hard work. Taiwan Day is one of the Met's outreach initiatives. Every year since 2011, the team has invited a Taiwan national to throw the ceremonial first pitch. Each year on Taiwan Day, the stadium fills up with Taiwan pride. The event is now in its 16th year, and it's now the second time Tai's appeared at City Field. An offshore wind farm project in Yunlin County is now at least one year delayed because of Taiwan's COVID outbreak. Its developer said that due to COVID entry restrictions on foreign technicians, the progress of the project has fallen behind schedule. Not only that, the delay has raised the cost of the project by 40 percent. The Ministry of Economic Affairs said that despite this setback, Taiwan is still on track to reach its energy goal for 2025. An energy firm signed a deal with Changrong Christian University on Monday, pledging to collaborate on developing talent. Since the outbreak of the epidemic in May, strict border controls have blocked the entry of foreign technicians, delaying project progress. The firm was slated to integrate 80 wind turbines by year's end. The project has fallen far behind, at just a quarter of the way complete. The delay of this entire project is also massively driving up costs because we had already booked all these ships. Once you book, you have to pay, even if ships aren't used. So in effect, a day's work costs twice as much. If I recall correctly, our costs have gone up by about 40% so far. With the project delayed, the firm says costs have soared by some 40% or by tens of billions of new Taiwan dollars. Faced with the prospect of bankruptcy, the firm says it will seek to postpone debt payments and sell shares to raise funding. Meanwhile, Thai Power has finished installing its Phase 1 offshore wind farm, which was originally set to be completed last year. The installation of Thai Power's 21 wind turbines is complete. We will probably be able to get them online fairly soon. As for the Yunnan Wind Power Company in Yunlin County, although its project is behind schedule, we should still be able to accomplish quite a lot this year. 
The Ministry of Economic Affairs said that despite the short-term delays, Taiwan is still on track to reach the target of 20% renewables by 2025. China has announced a new rule for foreign ships. It said that starting September 1st, foreign ships will need to notify Chinese authorities before entering China's territorial waters. The vessels that need to send a report include submarines, nuclear-powered aircraft carriers and, quote, other vessels that may endanger China's maritime safety. If the law is applied to the disputed islands, it will inevitably cause disputes between China and Japan in the East China Sea. It will cause disputes between neighboring countries and Southeast Asian countries in the South China Sea. In the Taiwan Strait, there is territorial sea and there is an exclusive economic zone. As far as China is concerned, its jurisdiction includes its exclusive economic zone. If you are in its exclusive economic zone, China will do everything in its power to exert jurisdiction over you. What I'm saying is that this new law goes beyond the international treaties China has signed. This means that its domestic laws are overriding international law. China will use very dexterous law enforcement methods to achieve the purpose of exerting its power. Therefore, conflicts between the parties involved are to be expected in the foreseeable future. The expert warned that conflicts will erupt if China uses its new domestic law to govern foreign warships. Not only will the Taiwan Strait become a ticking time bomb, the stability of the South China Sea is at stake too, he said. Starting a business is a big task, not for the faint of heart. Let's meet one young woman who set up her own raincoat company against the odds. While still a student and working in film production, she was inspired by rain to produce a stylish but practical solution. Now her garments are found across the world. She told us about the ins and outs of founding a business. Yin gets out a ruler to finalize plans and checks the stitching on coats with a special light. All her products bear the Made in Taiwan label and they need to be worthy of it. She tells us how this new white cotton shirt is both dirt and water resistant. The new technology has made it very popular in Japan. She's even launched a functional fabric brand that's made inroads across Europe and America. Her goods can be found in Russia, Norway and Iceland. When she thinks of starting the business, she can trace it back to one rainy day. One day, I was on the way to college and suddenly it started pouring with rain. I wondered if there was a coat that looked good but was also waterproof, like a raincoat. You encounter many difficulties at the start, obviously, like the adults in the factory didn't want to pay us any attention. They'd say, the order is too small. This thing looks complex and hard to make. Also, we insisted that all the materials should be in Taiwan. The nitpicking of manufacturers was a big hurdle for Chen in the early days. But she and the team persisted. They found their own materials and created all their own designs. Three years on, they've expanded worldwide and make over half a million NT in the best months. 
Chen now has comfortable savings in the bank and a monthly salary of 70,000 NT. I used to live in Taipei, and then I couldn't save any money. Actually, I would encourage students to start earning money before you graduate. If you have a good idea, get on and do it. Maybe lots of people need it in their lives and you can meet their needs. Then they'll be bringing business to you. I think you need to have a financial management plan after you start saving money. If you don't have a plan, it will disappear. Now age 32, Chen is studying for a PhD while continuing to work hard on her business. If you've got a smart idea, entrepreneurship could be in reach for you too. Do you feel as energetic as you did 10 years ago? Sedentary lifestyles and changing diets can take a toll on our energy levels. For many older adults, that spark of vitality is hard to keep alive, especially when dealing with ailments like osteoporosis. One clinic in Kaohsiung has a mission to help elders rediscover and maintain their energy even into old age. Older adults follow a doctor in lifting up their feet and exercising their muscles, increasing their leg stamina. Ms. Chen from Kaohsiung, 68, found during a health checkup that she was overweight, with high cholesterol levels. She started to lose weight, but her unbalanced diet led to muscle wastage and gave her fatigue. As we enter old age, our muscles gradually waste away and some older adults may suffer from osteoporosis. Together, these two issues can be very important factors in causing them to develop physical disabilities. At the request of local elders, this Kaohsiung hospital opened a special clinic for sarcopenia and osteoporosis. Patients are first tested for strength, mobility and muscle mass. Dietary adjustments help them to gradually reduce their symptoms. We can carefully slightly increase the amount we consume, ingredients like, for example, fish, beans, eggs and meat. As well as Western medicines and injections, Chinese herbal treatments are also used to replenish low calcium levels. Turtle shell and deer antler are rich in calcium and colloid. And studies have shown they can increase muscle density. Ginseng and goji berries can also strengthen your liver and kidneys, greatly increasing vitality. For older adults who are frailer or lacking muscle strength, they are very helpful. Doctors warn that both sarcopenia and osteoporosis are indications of increasing frailty. If you find your appetite disappearing or feel exhausted and enervated, they advise seeing a doctor without delay. With treatment, that spark can reignite. The mayor of Kaohsiung gave out cash rewards to his city's Olympians on Monday. One of the athletes he honored was badminton star Dai Ziying, who was making her first public appearance since being released from isolation. The next Olympics seem like a long way off. I want to first focus on the tournaments at the end of the year. I'm still in vacation mode and haven't resumed my training yet. Because I spent so long in isolation, it'll take a bit of time to recover my form. Tai said that she'll be selective when deciding which tournaments to compete in, since every trip abroad will mean spending time in isolation. She said that for now, her goal is to prepare for the BWF World Championships. The pandemic has ushered in a tsunami of online retail. Now, even traditional markets are going digital. 
one of Taichung's biggest outdoor markets has launched its own digital retail platform. It offers quick home delivery and promises the produce is as fresh as ever. The convenient option is winning over some new demographics. Depending on your taste, going to the market is a daily chore or one of life's little pleasures. But completing a full grocery haul on a single market excursion can be tricky. Now it's much easier with help from the internet. We host 711 stalls, letting consumers pick everything they need from Jiangu Market with one click, without leaving the house. Located in Taichung's East District, Jiangu Market is Taiwan's largest publicly owned retail market. Traditional markets have tried to find online platforms since COVID struck. Jiangu Market has benefited from a government grant, won on their behalf by lawmaker Huang Guoshu, to create their own retail website. They promise to deliver the groceries fresh to the customer's door within 30 minutes, with delivery fees based on the distance. They can deliver very fast. You don't have to worry about the freshness. And the website has lured in a whole new type of customer, the busy office worker. Normally, office workers are too tired for morning markets, relying instead on evening markets or trips to the supermarket. Now, Jianguo's early morning deliveries come to the door, a convenient alternative. I have to be at the office all the time now, so usually I don't have any time to come to the market. Jianguo Market has launched this online platform and I can book online. You don't necessarily have to come into the market to buy things. Of course, many serious home cooks are having none of it. They want to come to the market to pick out their ingredients personally. For those who still come in person, the market does all it can to reduce COVID risks. The restaurant industry is going all out to attract gourmands back to the table. We visited a Japanese barbecue joint that is mixing up its menu with lots of new inventions. From Wagyu beef sushi to thick slabs of hanger steak, this is Japanese cuisine as you've never seen it before. A prime cut of marbled beef sizzles as it hits the grill and softens. The beef is fired on both sides and then draped over a piece of red shrimp sushi, so the rice absorbs its juices. Every millisecond on the grill counts. We use the high flame to bring up the most succulent fatty marble, but we don't roast it too hot. We keep it soft and tender. The hanger steak is a popular diaphragm cut in thin slices. Here it's presented unusually as a thick slab. Getting the heat just right is vital. Because the hanger steak is part of the diaphragm, we fire it slightly hotter. It's best to cook it medium well done. You can also enjoy Wagyu beef as tendon in the stock or in the rich meat sauce for noodles. The sauce contains cooked cabbage. What's rather special is you can eat it many ways. Apart from dipping noodles, you can add it into a chazuke rice and soup dish. The classic salmon oyakodon is presented as a hot pot rice dish with a Japan-style soft-boiled egg and a slice of Taiwan mullet roe. Lots of Epicureans are hesitating to head out to eat this summer. Here, the chef is having fun with his menu to tempt reluctant diners out. 